Sometimes improved employee engagement and brand ambassadorship can organically sprout from a good old fashioned rebrand. That's the story of the Tulane University School of Professional Advancement. And here to tell us about it is Suri Deitch. She's on episode four of I Wanna Work There. No matter the institution, company, or organization, everyone wants to find the best talent, and everyone wants to keep their best talent. Higher education is no different. I'm Eddie Francis. I've worked in both talent acquisition and higher ed marketing. On this podcast, we're going to explore the ways to create a great experience for faculty and staff on your campus. Because in education, a great employee experience equals a great student experience. And who doesn't want that? We'll have some honest conversation, get insights from experts, and hear success stories from campuses. It's all about developing an attractive employer brand, something that'll make the people say, I wanna work there. Joining I Wanna Work There is Suri Deitch, the Dean of the Tulane University School of Professional Advancement, affectionately known as SOPA. She's also Vice President of Academic Innovation. Suri, welcome to I Wanna Work There. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Eddie. I'm excited to be on this podcast. Well, thank you so much. And the first question I have is, I think that the title Vice President of Academic Innovation is so cool. How can I get that title? I need that title. <laughs> what can I do? What do you suggest? What are my steps? Uh, well, it's super malleable, right? I guess it would be good to go to a place that's interested in innovation in their academic programs. Um, but I, I think it's, um, you know, as as part of our, you know, talking about rebranding our school, there's this um, implication that we are focused on innovation and continuous improvement. And, you know, that that is our culture. So I guess you want to go someplace that that has that focus. All right, I'll give it a shot one of these days. <laughs> so in the interest of disclosure, sorry and I, we have the, the privilege of knowing each other because we have this really lovely mutual acquaintance named Halima. Uh, so in the interest of disclosure, Halima is my wife and she is a program director and a professor of practice at SOPA. And then also I've had the privilege of uh, being a guest lecturer with SOPA and I've uh, taught a, a class at, at SOPA and one more thing, as a native New Orleanian, Suri, and this is where I, I think the, the story really gets very cool. I have seen how Suri's leadership has transformed SOPA. I've noted that transformation through the eyes of folks who earned their degrees from what used to be uh, the University College and later the School of Continuing Studies at Tulane. So that leads me to the first question. Talk about how you saw the need to rebrand that area, starting with naming it the School of Professional Advancement. Sure. So I came in as dean in mid-2016. And, you know, it was just one of those things with a school like this that is focused on staying up to date, that is serving, you know, really diverse population of, of students. It's really important once in a while to take a look at, like, who are we? What are we doing? Who are we doing it for? And it was just one of those points in the school's history where that made sense to do. 
as you said, right, the school at one point was named University College. That name went back to 1942, even though the school itself has um, been around at Tulane since the 1800s. After Hurricane Katrina, as part of the university's uh, renewal plan, the name of the school was changed to the School of Continuing Studies. And I'm sure that made a lot of sense at that point, right, in late 2005, early 2006. Uh, But when I came in, for me, it didn't really send a message about what the school was for and and whom whom it was for. So upon that, and and again, you know, as a native of New Orleanian, especially as someone who had the privilege of, uh, who has, I should say, the privilege of knowing people who came from that area, I can tell you that one of the things that I thought when I saw that was, well, this is really cool. I love the name. Uh, and then I saw the imaging and, and I thought, okay, really, this is very cool. So I'm curious about any other external reactions that you might have gotten on the heels of the rebrand, um, whether it was from the general public, whether it was from people who were applying uh, for programs there, uh, or obviously people who were applying for jobs there. What kinds of external reactions did you notice? I think from a prospect perspective, um, you know, prospective new students, it's was not so much a change as introducing the school to them. And so in terms of the name change itself, the audience was clearly there was an internal Tulane audience. We wanted to message, this is a new day at the school. We're thinking differently about what we do and how we do it. Um, We're thinking differently about how we fit into the university's overall brand. Uh, Current students, and alumni of the school were really important audiences as well. Uh, And one of the things that we did as part of the rebranding process was a pretty deep dive into the experience of um, largely current students, but also some alumni. Um, What was their, not so much talking to them about branding, but talking to them about their experience and their perceptions of the school and and what it meant and what it did. And it became pretty clear in doing focus groups with students that um, we needed to be sending a different message. We needed to change the message about um, what the school was for and whom it was for. And, um, And even I would say, there was a perception amongst at least some students that um, the the experience that they were getting and the quality of what they were getting were not um, at the level of uh, what they would expect of, of Tulane University. So in terms of the responses, um, we, you know, you, we took about a year to do this process and then we had a big announcement um, and when we d- had the big public announcement with, um, you know, messaging and mailings and it's starting off with a, a, a big kickoff of a public event, almost across the board, the response was really positive. People felt good about it. They felt good about what it said. Um, they liked how it looked because it was, as you said, it was a drastically different and more contemporary look. Um, in terms of design and approach to marketing. Um, and, you know, there were 
you know, if, if we had like a thousand responses, maybe there were two or three that were like, why are you messing with this? This is not the blanket. <laughs> Which, you know, I don't think that was too bad, actually, in terms of the- No, that's great, actually. <laughs> yeah. And what about um, when it comes down to uh, um, applicants? When, when people were applying for positions with SOPA, what did you notice in terms of change and in terms of timeline and quality of applications? Well, and so you mean in terms of applications for jobs, right? Yes. Okay. You know, I, I think the, the rebranding itself is really important, but even more important is what you do with it and how you deliver on the messaging that you're sending. And that takes a while. Like you have to prove yourself and that what you're claiming that you're doing is actually the reality. Um, and then, you know, there are all kinds of ways in which that overlaps with it reintroducing yourself to the marketplace and digital marketing and, and all of that. Um, but we, we did this in concert with a lot of other work at the school that was about restructuring the organization, um, rethinking accountability and lines of responsibility, um, rethinking culture and establishing a new culture. And so it was in concert, the rebranding was in concert with all of those things and also significant investments by Tulane in our school in growing the faculty and growing the programs and in updating existing programs. And so when you put all of that together, um, it really created a sense of excitement um, amongst people who wanted to be a part of it, you know, wanted, knew that this was an opportunity to sort of get in on the grand ground floor of um, thinking in new ways about how Tulane was serving the community, about how Tulane was thinking about workforce needs in the New Orleans and the Gulf South region. And they, we attracted ambitious builders, I would say. And the rebranding was a really crucial part of making it um, easier to do that and to send a clear message about who we are um, in a way that was a continuation of the history, but also very cl clearly a new day. You're listening to I Want to Work There. I'm Eddie Francis, and we're talking to Suri Deitch. She is the dean of Tulane University's School of Professional Advancement. Also, she is the uh, vice president of academic innovation, a title I want very badly, but doesn't know I can if I can have it anytime soon. But, um, I, you know, Suri, in your last answer, you hit on something that I think a lot of people tend to miss when it comes to the branding process and how much of the internal work has to do in order for a brand to be authentic, in order for it to be uh, something that's real, uh, something that people are going to trust. And so um, I think it's great that, that number one, first of all, you, you did one of my favorite things. You, you, did a, you did focus groups. I love focus groups. And so I think putting that kind of work into it uh, is something that people often miss especially institutionally when it comes to rebranding that, you know, you really, really have to hit those touch points organizationally where there is, where you actually discover what the real value is. And then you build on the value, not some, 
not some cheap parlor trick that, that people think uh, that you have to create as part of a rebranding process. So um, what were your thoughts? I mean, as you started to notice this buy-in, um, was there this particular point where you could tell that the rebranding was impacting impacting maybe members of the team? I mean, was there a point basically where you said, okay, For we're sure. heading in the right direction. This is yeah. working. Well, so again, um, in our case, it, you can't really um, divorce the rebranding from all of the other work we did to restructure right. and, and rework the school. But, you know, the changes started to happen pretty quickly. And, you know, that, again, that ties into organizational culture and the differences in how we were thinking about organizational culture and team building and um, sort of mutual accountability for the school's success. One thing I would say that's pretty clear about our school, and I think unusual within American higher education, is that there is a great deal of clarity about mission and focus within our school amongst faculty, staff, and students. Not everyone agrees all the time on how to execute. And not everyone loves how others execute all the time. But people are, people know what we're about and they're taking an action. They're making a motion toward being a part of that culture and that mission by joining our school. And we are really clear about that. And so, we, you know, we attracted a lot of people who like to be creative and like to build. And most of all, again, we're committed to an access mission within the context of a really high quality academic institution. They wanted, they knew what that was, what we were there for, and they wanted to be a part of it. And then we lost some people who, who didn't like it or who just for whatever reasons, weren't, you know, weren't going to be on board with the, with the focus. And that was okay. The point at which I knew that it was a success, you know, it, it happened over time, right? It was about the kinds of applicants we were attracting for faculty jobs. It was about the degree to which we gained a reputation within the university for being an excellent place to work. It was about the many, many supporters that we were able to cultivate across the university community and outside in employer communities and in other kinds of organizations. And the changes started very quickly, but played out over time and are actually still playing out, right? Like six years later. Yeah. I, you know, I think one of the, and I, and I do think that when it comes to employer branding, I think one of the parts of it that people do kind of estimate and, and, and employer branding is honestly a pro is, 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 is a practice that's pretty much in its infant stages in higher education. It, it, in the private sector, it's, it's something that's been done for well over a decade, but I think one of the realities uh, that I appreciate that you brought up about the process of, of creating a, a culture that tends to move forward is you do have to get to this point where you say, hey, you know, some people are not going to buy into the values that we've set forth. And 
we're going to have to figure out that uh, at some point we're going to have to part ways, unfortunately or fortunately, depends on how you see each situation. So I can really appreciate that something that you feel or something that you you observed really kind of boost the brand is the fact that it did take a little bit of separation in some cases um, in order for you to to build a culture that uh, that that could really work for you. Um, and and what about um, uh, what about you know if you have that unit in an institution uh, that is saying hey look you know we're going to have to move in some kind of different direction um, we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to improve the work that we're doing we have to do something we have to make something move they listen to this they hear that you did all of this work that really integrated into the rebrand effort. Um, what words of advice do you have? I mean, where, where do you start the, how do you, where do you start this train moving? You know, when I came into the job, I had a pretty clear inkling that I myself did not like the name of the school, but I didn't have an agenda around changing it because I didn't know the history and the context. And so you know, starting the train with talking to people about it and asking them what they thought, you know, that was very clearly the starting point. And, you know, community engagement to me starts on day one. So, you know, one of the things that I felt the school lacked was a culture of consultation. Um, yeah. And so establishing the culture of consultation in small ways and big ways was a part of what we had to do, of what I had to do. And then some of the team that I started to bring in had to do at, starting from the very beginning, then getting to the point where we said, okay, we know we need to change this name. We have a lot of other work to do as well, but we know this is a part of it. And so it is, it's beyond our capacity to do it ourselves. Like we need experts in it. And then engaging a rebranding consultant, figuring out the scope of their work. That's where the um, focus groups happened. I agree with you that formal focus groups are really important, but I also feel pretty strongly that you don't do focus groups if you don't have a commitment to being responsive to what you hear or if you don't have the capacity to deliver on being responsive to what you hear. The train started with all of those things. And I guess I would just add in terms of, right, the prior discussion about sort of who's on board the train, who is not. I think that transparency is really important. And, you know, being as transparent as possible about what works, what doesn't work, the fact that no one is perfect, the fact that we are all trying to grow all the time. I mean, it is in the nature of higher education to think that way and approach learning experiences that way. And it's also really fundamental to our school culture. And so sometimes, you know, people may not agree with all of our decisions, but at least they will know why we made them. And I think that's really mm -hmm. important. Yeah, hell hath no fury like a focus group that feels like they've been ignored. Trust me, I've seen it. So, right. Um, so yeah, so salute to following up on a lot of the ideas. And, you know, the other thing, especially when it comes to an internal focus group is 
they're excited that they're being asked for it for input. So I can only imagine that you got a really nice reaction from folks who were being asked. Yes, we got a nice reaction from folks who are being asked, but we also got, to be honest, a lot of really negative feedback that yeah. was, it was kind of painful to hear what about the, the student experience and how people felt about how they were treated. That was hard to hear, but also instructive for our next steps and for a lot of things that have played out in the years since. Yeah, that's one of the things that I've learned in rebranding efforts myself is that all the data, you know, all the data are good data, even the stuff you don't want to hear. <laughs> but you got to use it all to figure out where the value is and 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 how to boost the value. So, yeah, yeah, I know it's not it's not great to listen to, but um, but I but uh, but you 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 did some really really cool stuff with the information uh, that you got. So, are there any lessons learned that you want to communicate? Or that you want to talk about uh, when it comes to, you know, some of the feedback you've gotten from SOPA's team or anyone who else who invested in the work that you've done, what kinds of lessons learned would you say you've gotten? You know, certainly the consultation piece is really important and the sort of follow-up to the consultation, as we've already said. Uh, I mean, I've learned a lot over the past seven years, but one of the things I've learned is that it does take time. And- yeah especially yeah. when you're talking about sort of rebuilding, excuse me, or an establishing a public image that didn't exist in the past. And especially when you're talking about doing that in a digital age, the one thing that we did not have expertise to do in-house and we never could have had expertise to do in-house was the, the technical aspects of establishing our digital presence the 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 coding the keywords the verification and authentication of our identity that had to happen on various digital platforms the the amount of effort there was so far beyond what i could have understood going in and the amount of time it took to establish ourselves and to validate who we were it took a few years and I, I did not understand that going in, you know, I guess I was naive about what it took to, to be in, you know, to be largely new and, you know, and going in cold with new audiences. Well, Suri, if people want to find out more about SOPA and the work that's being done at SOPA, how can they find out that information? Where do they go? Our website, which is SOPA, S-O-P-A dot Tulane dot E-D-U. And hopefully we've done a good enough job that you can um, organically just Google us and and or go onto other platforms and and find us. We love to tell our story. We, we, we spend a lot of time and energy in telling not just our story, but the story of our students and, and alumni. We really highlight them. And there's amazing work going on and we are always, always happy to talk about it. So thank you for the opportunity to do so, Eddie. Absolutely. No, there are some beautiful stories um, uh, uh, that Soap is telling right now, not only just about the students, but also about the faculty and staff. So 
Suri, thank you so much, Suri Deitch, Dean of Tulane University's School of Professional Advancement, also Vice President of Academic Innovation. Thank you so much for joining me on I Wanna Work There. Thank you. I Want to Work There is part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, check out other Enrollify shows. The Enrollify Podcast Network is growing by the month with all kinds of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows. And they're jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks, all designed to empower you to be a better higher ed professional. There are some great industry voices that you can check out, like Terry Flannery, my good friend Jamie Hunt, Allison Tercio, Corinne Myers, Dustin Ramsdale, Jamie Gleason, and many more. Learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. So uh, come and find yours. Thank you.